Well, hello and welcome to the Genius Podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle, and I would like to invite you to join me and countless other Catholic women as we not only discover our own genius, but we own it. And then we bring it as a gift to the world and the people we do life with. If you are looking to discover what it is that you are called to do with your life, if you have a dream but you lack the confidence or the skills to take that next step, or if you just need some great advice on living your vocation as a Catholic woman, this podcast is for you. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called The Genius Project. The Genius Project is dedicated to helping Catholic women discover their unique genius, what it is that they're called to do with their gifts and their life. We seek to build community and networking opportunities for Catholic women to grow not only in their faith, but in the gifts, the talents, and the desires that God has placed within them. We seek to do this through online courses, which explore helping you discover your genius zone, that area where your gifts and strengths come together. We look at business principles, how to get an idea off the ground, how to shift your mindset and discern your vocation, and much more. You can check out the range of online courses and resources available for Catholic women at www.geniusproject.co. I am so excited this week to share with you an episode with our first male guest, Jonathan Doyle, who is in fact my husband. We have been married for close to 20 years and he is just awesome. Not that I'm biased, but I think he is. He's an amazing person, husband, father, and businessman. And today we're going to be talking around how powerful our mindset is in telling ourselves a story. A story which ultimately becomes the narrative by which we live. We take a look at goals and how to get out of a slump and what it takes to live an unreasonable and an uncommon life. I love him and I know you will too. As many of you know, Jonathan and I founded a company which produces values and faith-based resources for Catholic education. Once this was set up and humming, Jonathan moved into Catholic teacher formation, where he developed an online program for Catholic teachers which is used by thousands of schools around the world every year. He delivered the keynote for a major Catholic education convention in the United States where he launched his book, Tools and Fuels, How Catholic Teachers Can Become Saints, Beat Burnout and Save the World. This book alone has sold over 10,000 copies, which is pretty awesome. Pre-COVID, Jonathan was in the United States a number of times throughout the year, speaking at conferences and teacher formation days. He has qualifications in executive and business coaching, a master degree in leadership and management and education, as well as postgraduate study through the John Paul II Institute. And seriously, he's just the best person to speak to if you're needing direction. If you're interested in any of his books, please check them out on the bookstore page of the Genius website, www.geniusproject.co. I love him, but I guess I'm biased. I really hope and pray this episode is helpful for you. Welcome, Jonathan, to the Genius Podcast. It's a little different having a male on the podcast this week, but it's great to have you as a guest on the show. Am I the first male on this show? Yes, you are. 
That's a bit special, isn't it? It's very special. It's really weird because we're sitting, normally I do the podcast interviews over the phone, but Jonathan and I are sitting opposite each other, looking at each other, and I can't stop cracking up. <laughs> how good is how good is my life? I get to stare into my wife's eyes as part of my ministry. <laughs> All right. So the reason that I thought it would be great to have Jonathan on the podcast this week is because he brings a lot to the space of mindset, consulting, personal development, and he's got a lot of wisdom and experience in this area. And what I'm getting a lot of feedback from women through the Genius Project is that they're really wanting some advice and some ideas and strategies around mindset and really shifting their mindset. When you get in a slump, trying to get out of that slump and move forward in a positive and a constructive way. So do you think you can help us out today? I think I'll do my very best. (laughs) I definitely know what it's like to have experienced the odd slump in life. And I think people are always looking for uh, good strategies to get out of there as quickly as possible. So yes, uh, there's definitely things that you can do. Excellent. So you're going to give us some strategies in a moment, but I just want to tell the listeners that as your wife, when I come to you for advice, Jonathan's, to me, not the most compassionate understanding. He's basically, here's the can of harden up. Here's what you need to do. Get on and do it. So in many ways, that's actually really good for me because I've got lots of girlfriends who will be empathetic and Jonathan is very empathetic. But at the end of the day, Jonathan, what he offers is just really practical strategies to help you shift focus in all areas of personal development. But today, the area I want to focus on really is this area of mindset. So Jonathan, just share a little bit about, I guess, your background in this area of personal development and how you might be able to help us in the area of mindset. I'm just recovering from you telling me that I (laughs) like compassion when you come to me to discuss things. It's interesting when you said that because one of, I guess, the speakers in this space who I've admired for many years once famously said that he said you can have your story or you can have a result but you can't have both Mm. which uh for a lot of people when things are difficult they they have a great story a great narrative about why things are the way they are i think if if the listeners you know if you reflect on that you'll notice that we all do it we get people often go to blame as a key strategy so when something goes wrong they're looking for all the reasons why it's happened why it's uh, the result of some external force another person and what I tend to say to people is, once you have that story, you may be completely correct. So I don't n- negate or downplay the reality of what people have gone through. And by this, I'm not minimizing abuse or trauma or things that have, people have been through. But sooner or later, we all end up with a way of explaining our lives to ourselves. The first question is whether or not that particular story, that narrative is helpful, if it's transformative, if it's going to move us forward. The best example of this is some people would have read uh, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And uh, and similar to that is uh, a book that came out very recently, some of you may have heard of, called The Happiest Man on Earth by a guy called Eddie Jaku, mm-hmm. who also, like Viktor Frankl, survived time in the Auschwitz Nazi extermination camp. Now, both of these guys went through the most horrific circumstances. So their narrative structure, their experience of reality would be very would be verifiable, right? And everyone can look at what they went through and agree with them how terrible it was. But what they managed to do was find a very empowering meaning in what they had been through. I guess the first things I'd say is that we have to be careful that the stories we use to describe the difficulties in our life, not something that just uh, we use, how do I say this really nicely, we just don't want people to agree with us and feel sorry for us. Now, we want a little bit of that, we need a little bit of validation, compassion from those that care about us, but sooner or later, we need encouragement to move forward. And I guess 
just finally to answer your original question, my background, without going into gruesome, unnecessary detail, I've definitely <laughs> had some significant challenges until I met Karen mm-hmm. and then everything changed. <laughs> no, but I, look, I'd have to say that there was definitely life at times has, has had its very significant challenges for me. And I think very early on, I just decided that I wanted to make the most of it. I've also been lucky to have some great people in my life, wow. such as the person interviewing me. <laughs> ah, la, la. <laughs> so there you go. That's some opening thoughts. You can have your story or your result. Can't so, have both. I love that quote. It's a really good one. There you go. I like being married to you because I don't have to read as many books because Jonathan likes to read a lot of books. Oh, yeah. So we go for a walk each day around midday with the dog and he tells me about his latest book and then I feel like I've read it. That's so it's it. a bonus. <laughs> People used to say that talking to me is like talking to the last book I read, which yeah. is true. I do. I love to read a great deal and I think you can learn in life mm. from lots of different ways. But one of the things I love about this moment in human history is that we have access to the greatest thinking around us for free most of the time. Mm. I do a huge amount of training and all of the time I'm listening to podcasts and interviews and audiobooks and just constantly trying to grow. So I reckon just there is one really good takeaway point is that use your time wisely. So for mums, whether or not they're doing the washing or the dishes, it doesn't have to be wasted time. They can be listening to podcasts and sewing yeah. and pouring into themselves so they have something to draw on. I love the quote that says you can either sow a famine or a feast into your life by what you choose to give your time to or what you choose to pour into yourself, what you look at, what you read, what you listen to. And I think that as women particularly, we often neglect ourselves, like we're running around caring for everybody else. And sometimes we reach a season and we actually find we've got a bit of a famine happening in our heart. We don't have much to draw on. And I think what you're saying there is use all the seasons to be trying to sow that feast into your life so you have yeah. something to draw on. Look, three really quick thoughts on this, uh, one, would, one of which is probably not super popular is Look, I haven't watched television, I reckon, in 20 years. I watch, you know, a bit of sport with friends but and documentaries when I'm training, maybe on the trainer bike. But I don't understand the current historical thing where people are spending one, two, three hours plus a day. I'm no one's judge, but I just think so much of the inputs that we can receive through a lot of modern entertainment formats can be less than ideal in terms of the belief systems and lifestyles. Years ago, I was reading a high-end philosophy essay, and they talked about the concept of drama. For the ancient Greeks, and I guess for all classical cultures, they believed that we all carried enormous drama in our own lives. And by drama, we mean the constant tension between who we are and who we are capable of becoming. That's the drama. That's the tension in every human life between who you are today Mm -hmm. and who you could be. What we've done, I guess, in the last few decades is we've outsourced the drama to other people's lives. The obsession with, for me, the royal family or certain TV shows or certain reality shows, I know I'm going to lose a few people here, (laughs) but we're all we're obsessed with other people's lives but the real magic the real drama is taking place within our own relationships mm. our own lives so that's the first thing is just to be really uh, thoughtful about how much of your life you're I'm going to be blunt wasting looking at other people's lives the last two quick points were I think Karen makes a good point yes feed yourself with great content we have this amazing access to so much great content these days However, I've also got to the opinion lately that we also need to be having deliberate time with no input, by which I mean prayer reflection. Mm -hmm. So I'm currently trying to do a good meditation contemplation block every day because I think as much as we need good content, 
you also don't want to spend your entire day plugged into something. So Mm. even with our kids, I'm like, I used to like listening to podcasts, working around the house, but even now I don't do it because I don't want Mm. headphones in. I want to be available. So it's just the balance between good content, but also downtime. Okay. So you just said something there, the difference between who we are and then who we're becoming. And I don't know... In the holidays, I was talking to you about sometimes we can feel like we've reached the ceiling of our life and pushing forward, I guess, to grow more and to develop more and to take our lives to that next level, whether it be our faith, our healing, what we're doing in business, our family, our marriage. I'm interested in your thoughts on how we can actually do that because we can talk about this and we can read all the personal development books and they're fantastic, but I often find when it actually comes down to the practical lived experience of doing it, it's actually much harder. Sometimes we get quite stuck in, I guess, the way it's, it's often easier to stay in dysfunction or stay in how we've always done it than to push out into growth and to move into a new area. How can we break the ceiling of our life to go higher, to go further, deeper with the Lord? deeper in ourselves and relationships. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, again, that the first thing is this, is to be unreasonable, by which I mean one of my next favourite quotes is that there's absolutely no traffic jams on the extra mile. I have learned and truly believe that there is a reason why a relatively small number of people experience the fullness of what's possible for them in this life, because this is a struggle and we don't talk about it enough to really have a great relationship, good friendships, to be physically well. These things require effort. Our culture is highly therapeutic. We have enormous access to food, entertainment, distraction. It, it, the culture doesn't help us. It, it, we, we see these people who look like they're having great lives and we think they're genetically different, blah, blah, blah. But I think this is about struggle. This is, you have to decide what it is that you want. You have to be very clear on it. And then you have to begin to develop a plan to go after it. And you have to be unreasonable. I wish I had some fancy idea, but after many years of working in this space, there are practical things we can do. Structurally, we can use coaches, we can build systems. They're very important. I think there's a huge place for them. But sooner or later, you have to decide whether or not you want an uncommon life. And then it's about struggle and effort and work. And in my own life, I, I just take a few things quite seriously in terms of training, spirituality, uh, marriage and family. He's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and look, and to be honest, for me, yeah, look. Inspiring. Obsessive. Irritating sometimes. <laughs> so after, after this interview, I've got a three-hour <laughs> training ride, and I just do it. I, I, I respond to structure. Some listeners won't. But, uh, you know, recently, by working with a good coach, having a structure, I lost 10 kilos, started running ultra marathons. Yeah, I've always been disciplined, but it was the structure that helped. Mm. So I think that having structure and systems, but look, summary, there's a reason there's no traffic jam on that extra mile because it's hard. And if you want a better marriage, if you want better friendships, if you want better health, then you have to do different things. The results that you have in your life right now are a result of your decisions up to this point. So if you keep making the same decisions, you're going to get the same results. So we have to do different things. And often it's hard. It's just hard to change, but not impossible. Mm. I like that quote. Who's it from? It says that if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Who's yeah, that I think, I don't know. I think it's one of those sort of urban myth quotes that's been around forever in different forms. Yeah, I, I think as a species, if you look at things like evolutionary biology, we design to conserve energy. We, as a species, we've been around for about 350,000 years. We have these large frontal cortexes, 
as we evolved, conservation of energy became a really big thing. What we have now is a highly complex technological world, but it's very easy for us to conserve energy and stay safe. This is a comfort zone sort of stuff. It's easy. It's predictable. Our brains actually want some degree of certainty, what we call homeostasis. We want things to be roughly predictable, but then we get bored if they're too predictable. Mm -hmm. So there's this dance in our lives between the way things are and the way things we'd like them, the way we'd like things to be. But mm. you don't have to look too far. If there's anybody in your life that you admire, whether you know them or not, whether you admire them relationally, financially, physically, whatever, you'll find at some point they're unreasonable. They do things and believe things and plan things that other people don't tend to do. So mm. look, you get some ben- some of us grow up in incredibly wonderful homes with perfect parents, and we've got a, I guess, a head start. But uh, I think it was years ago, um, might have been Henry Ford that said the world is full of educated derelicts. Like, just because you got a good education, had a good start, doesn't mean you'll keep going forward with it. And we also know there's Mm -hmm. plenty of people who came from terrible backgrounds. That's the one question that's always interested me for many years. What is that single X factor that makes one person try to make something remarkable of their lives and the next one doesn't? Have you got an answer? After all these years, I don't. I really don't. It's the mystery of the human person. And again, as I say, this isn't about better people and worse people. It's not about going, well, mm-hmm. if you run an ultramarathon, you're better than somebody that walks five kilometers. It's totally relative. It's about very simply, it's again what the ancient Greeks believed, that we all carry within us a kind of DNA, like a computer program in our souls that carries our source code. And what the classical cultures believed is that we need to live in such a way that source code, that imprint, what we might say, the desire and the plan of the God always had for us, is actualized into the world. So that's the task to live an uncommon life, is that we need to to get in, to know something about who we are and then to, to go from there. And look, and the last thing, I finished reading Ray Dalio's book last week, Principles. So Ray Dalio started from scratch a company called Bridgewater got 3,000 staff now and $200 billion in funds under management. So he runs the world's biggest hedge fund. And his he had five key strategies, which I liked. It was, I don't remember all five, but basically it was about identifying the goals that you have. Most people never get that point. They never really go, this is what's important to me in life. This is what is significant. This is what I want. Then you identify the obstacles that are stopping you. So you've got to get very honest with yourself. What is it in my life right now that's stopping me from moving forward? Is it food? Is it exercise? Is it relationships? Is it dating? Is it parenting? Is it business? Is it bad habits? Check out someone like David Goggins who talks about the accountability mirror, ex-US Navy SEAL guy. He's famously known as the uh, the toughest man in the world, African-American guy. And uh, he stands in front of the mirror and tells himself the truth every day brutally. So it's having that accountability, knowing the obstacles, developing a plan to overcome our obstacles, and then executing the plan. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how would you develop a plan to overcome your obstacles? So it's the self-knowledge thing. It's about the ability to tell yourself the truth, uh, which is, I think, hard for a lot of us. So recently, and you were there when I did this with one friend, I asked them to (laughs) help me with my weaknesses, tell me what they were. One thing you can do is ask a handful of people that you admire. Ray Dalio talks about what he calls believability, people Mm -hmm. who are believable, people who you can look at in your life and say, this person has runs on the board. They have manifested and uh, demonstrated the attributes that I want in my life. I trust this person. So you go to someone like that and say, hey, listen, I'm trying to work on my life. Would you do me a favor? I want to give you permission to tell me my worst weaknesses, like the Mm -hmm. things that are really holding me back. 
and then have a few drinks and and never, <laughs> and wait for and, it. And never talk to them again. <laughs> no, so you. It's a good question to ask people, yeah. I think. But they have to be people that you're safe with and that you True. trust and that have your best interest at heart. Absolutely. And then, so you start with goals. And Dalio talks about the difference between goals and desires. A desire is wanting an Audi Q8. A goal is. He says something that has to happen. How do you actually, because there's so much talk in our world about personal development and goal setting and, and all of that, but how do you actually write goals? Because that's been a big part of your life. It's not so much. Each January I write some goals for the year, but what, what advice would you give for people trying to write goals? And, and we've got to distinguish, like Genius Project is very much about Catholic women stepping into the fullness of who they are. So we do all this under the banner of the Lord and under the banner of prayer. So there's obviously secular goal setting and secular personal development, but it's not separate to living a life of faith. So how can we set goals under that banner of faith and prayer and seeking God's will for our life? It's a really important and extremely complex question. It's one I've wrestled with for most of my life. My conversion came through, I guess, the an evangelical stream of Catholicism where the idea of God's will was crucial, and my particular personality didn't manage that particularly well. I was convinced that God had this absolute, set-in-stone, unchangeable set of instructions for my life, and I had to uncover them and live in those. Now, that's particular to my personality and hasn't been particularly beneficial at times, I think it's a mystery. Gosh, some people just gravitate to this really easily. How do you really identify your deepest goals? I think it's time. I think it's time in spent in silence and reflection and consideration. I'm a huge believer in journaling, I'm massive, always journaling. I think the dominant things that are significant for us are usually always there. We know intuitively what would make us happy. And it's interesting because the, the catechism and and even people like St. Augustine, that it, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to pursue human mm. happiness. And desire. Yeah, there's a difference between happiness and pleasure. Pleasure is, is linked to a particular event, a particular thing, whereas happiness is more a state of being. So... What's the quote? The happy man or woman is, or the virtuous man or woman is the happy one. So happiness is often linked in our Catholic faith to holiness too. Like the the closer we draw to the Lord, uh, I guess he reveals his desires and his plan for our life. I just find it complex. I think I've recently spent a lot of time reading St. Ignatius's experiences, his conversion and his if you follow that Ignatian stream, then God is moving very much in the, in the affective realm of our lives. Ignatius would notice that when he thought certain thoughts, he felt excited and passionate and alive. And when he felt other thoughts, he felt negative and down. Now, that's going to work for some of us. But for some of us, if we have a, struggles with anxiety or depression, we can get a bit lost in that without a good spiritual director. You go into Carmelite spirituality and you get a much more contemplative... Endure the heart. Yeah, the path of unknowing and and the darkness of reason, all this sort of stuff. Look, maybe what helps is as a parent, we've still got three young kids. As a parent, as a father, when you see your child operating in their gifts, Mm -hmm. there's a joy that comes from watching that. And Scripture says that all fatherhood... And motherhood, I guess, descends from on high. Like we participate in the fatherhood and the mother and the, and the maternal aspects of God. I wonder if God looks at us and when he sees us in joy, and that's different to hedonistic pleasure, 
when he sees us in joy, when he sees us alive, and of course people know that famous quote from Irenaeus, in the glory of God is the person fully alive, I think we're in the ballpark. So for some of us that means starting global corporations and we just come alive. And we might make billions of dollars, might do some cool stuff with it. Some of us might uh, do an incredible job as full-time mothers in the home. And there is no difference in what I call God's economy. There's no better or worse in those two examples. In fact, in some ways, the building of culture through motherhood is as important as anything that happens <laughs> in the in the in the sort of entrepreneurial world. So, look, I wish I had a concrete answer for pursuing your goals. I'd say when you're in joy, when you're alive, when you're blessing people, when you're moving forward. And look, actually, here is a good way to answer it, and I'll wrap up. Is Again, reading Dalio's book, he talks about evolution in the sense of, if you look at nature, nature is always moving forward. Evolution is always moving forward. The cosmos is growing and developing and changing. And wherever there is momentum and growth and change and development, I think that's a good thing. When we're growing in life, when we're experiencing fully, why are things like drugs a problem or TV addiction or social media addiction a problem? Because they retard our growth. They retard our capacity for a full, big, expansive life. So that is the longest, most convoluted answer to how to write goals. <laughs> Stay in I, joy. I think another one is categories. Like I find it helpful as a mother, I think as a woman, there's so many aspects to our life is to break it into categories. So I look at what are my goals for my marriage? What are my goals as a mother? What are my goals in business for fitness? I think breaking it down to categories is very good. Yeah, well, Stephen Covey used to talk about roles and goals. So he would develop a system where he would ask, what are my key roles in life? And it was husband, father, businessman, prof, hmm. you know, professor. And then he would link goals to the roles. Yeah, I, I always found How that How come helpful. you haven't told me that one before? I think I did. I think I told you at Darling Harbour in about 2001, and you told me I was being too serious on a date and I should forget about it. <laughs> Not that I've remembered you saying that after all these years. Uh, I'm slowly learning you're right on so many on some things. things. <laughs> might on take some me a little things. while to catch up. Now, tell me, you're very good at this, and this is some of the personal messages I receive are around this idea of getting out of a slump and shifting our mindset. And I know for so many... COVID has been just one massive slump that seems to keep descending into a bigger slump. I know I found it, the online learning, I found it very hard to come out of that. And I think even a couple of terms later, I'm still trying to find my feet. But I know we've got friends in Melbourne, friends in the United States who are really struggling still with lockdown and this slump. So whether it's because of COVID or whether or not, it's just we all go through these seasons in our life where we hit a slump, we hit a, a downturn. How can we, what can we do to get out of that? I know many years ago you were challenging me around state and focus and that sort of thing. So what can you give the listeners today to help them in that state? Okay, there's a few big ones. Firstly, one of the things I teach all the time is feelings follow actions. Feelings follow actions. So most of us think that if we're feeling depressed or anxious, then we're going to, we need to get ourselves right in the head. We need to think, we need to think positively. I once had a brilliant Carmelite mystic say to me, you, you don't solve the problem with the same thing that created it. So what we find, again, if you look at human physiology, is that if you begin to do specific things, such as exercise, such as moving your physical body, 
then that's the fastest way to shift a negative state. I'll give you an example. Imagine a sport that you're vaguely interested in or you're very passionate about. So for my you know, listeners in Victoria, imagine being in an AFL grand final and your team kicks that goal in the last four seconds, five seconds and wins. What are you doing with your body? What are you literally doing? You're not sitting in your chair with your arms crossed with a slumped body posture saying, oh, that was a good goal. I'm glad they won. <laughs> what do people do at that point? They jump up and down. They scream. They hug strangers. Their bodies move in a particular way. So one of the fastest ways to shift a negative state is physical movement. And that's why in my own journey with mental health and well-being is being exercise is crucial. So it's a non-negotiable for me. And my grandfather died at 44 of a heart attack. My father was very overweight. So I've always been committed to training and i find that training every day has a huge benefit for me so how do you beat a covid slump you keep active so you keep busy and active right you have some kind of exercise program i cannot stress enough about how important an exercise program is and i recommend to people if you hate exercise if you struggle with it get a coach reach out to me account i've got a great coach based in in melbourne who's brilliant but having somebody to get you a program and get you moving can be a huge thing. So first thing is get your body moving. Second is, I want you to understand that. So it's we're moving our bodies because we're not because that will help us shift the mindset. Second thing is to begin to focus on other people. When we're unhappy and you know we're worried about the future and all these things, we get very self-focused, understandably. But keep a focus on who can I ring, who can I bless, who can I call, who can I send a card to. Do those practical sorts of things. I found that helpful. And look, the other big thing is to use time wisely, uh, use perception of time wisely, which is this. When something like COVID happens, we, we, we begin to project months or years in advance. We think, oh, I'm going to lose the business or this will happen or that will happen. And I use time. I try to use time in terms of a day. What am I going to do today? What can, how can I do well today? I don't get tomorrow guaranteed. We're coming up to 12 months since the major accident I had last year. And that accident taught me in a millisecond, because I almost killed myself in a work accident, that we worry so much about things, but we keep forgetting that life is incredibly fragile and you have no guarantee of how long you're going to be with the people you love. So it's a cliche, but learning to live each day as consciously and deliberately as possible takes a bit of the edge of worrying too much about the future. Mm. So exercise, body movement, other people. And and the other thing you also used to tell me about was state-focused language. So your state is your movement, your focus is what you're focusing on, and language, like the power of language. And I know for women, like we often, I don't know if men do too, but women definitely fall into that trap of listening to the negative chatter that goes on in your head. So what can people do to, I guess if you're in lockdown and living on your own, it's it's really hard um, not to get trapped in that negative chatter. I have one friend in Melbourne who she's just got her day packed and structured with Zoom calls and Zoom margaritas at the end of the day and all kinds of things. So Yeah, so there's a balance here, right, between frenetic activity and avoidance. So mm-hmm. especially if you're an anxious personality where you will keep so busy and fill your stuff, it's a manic running away from reality. So we don't want that. But the morbid sitting around with the negative self-talk is also – so there's the two, two, the two poles, right? Uh, look, here's what I believe. I think a vast amount of the time our brain is not our best friend. It really isn't. You have to understand our brain's this big prefrontal cortex, right? It's really what made us different and and led us to be so dominant on this planet is right at, behind your forehead is this is this gray matter, this prefrontal cortex that runs all day. 
it has one job. It is to keep you alive. And it's going to do that by keeping you away from discomfort and risk and talking to you all the time and saying negative stuff. And so there is this tension between the incredible things our brains can do and at the same moment, the fact that it can absolutely hijack us. Now, this doesn't take into account, of course, genetics, dopamine, serotonin secretions, people with depressive disorders. But I think there's a great deal. It's mindfulness stuff. Um, sorry, friends, the Catholic Church pioneered that a couple <laughs> of thousand years ago. It's called contemplation. So meditation, contemplation. Remember I mentioned before about these deliberate downtimes. So in the midst of all my busyness, I'm currently trying to get about an hour a day of adoration, contemplation, it's difficult to do it, but I, I'm learning that the, the mind, this constant chatter, is is often less than ideal. It <laughs> really is. And there's a lot of great stuff you can read these days. Um, I've been reading a bit of Michael Singer stuff I found really helpful, just on the consciousness that sits behind our self-talk. If here's an example. If you're looking at a tree... You can't be the tree, can you? Because you're looking at it. And everyone's going, what? That's random. <laughs> but here's the point. If you're having a thought, then you're obviously recognizing the thought. And the question is, what is it that's recognizing it? And I know that makes all of us go cross-eyed and think, I don't know. It's our soul. It's our consciousness. It's this self that sits behind all this chatter. And we're much bigger than our chatter. We really have the truth about who we are and what God has planned for us. I don't know if you, how many of you have seen that new series, uh, The Chosen. Mm. Karen and I and the kids watched it all recently, but the first episode of that is this scene where Mary Magdalene, who's been absolutely dominated by this interior chatter, she's been absolutely mm. destroyed by this self-hatred and negative mental chatter, and there's this moment where Jesus just speaks to her, and I just messed me up. I was just like, I'm a man's man, but I was just like, I was moved, because I think that, that healthy spirituality, the presence of Christ cuts through that. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you very much. That was fun. <laughs> you have to come back again. What are we going to do now? I don't know. You've okay. got to go ride your bike. I'll I'm pick kids up from school. <laughs> Look, I just want to encourage all the listeners. I'm so proud of what Karen's doing. I think I've learned a great deal from listening to her in this stuff that she's doing. So um, at the end of the day, I think God just has a parent, like what I feel for my kids. He, has a, he just wants love and joy and peace for us and all of these things that get in the way are problematic so keep active keep healthy invest in what matters people relationships joy good food good wine Fast. the genius podcast <laughs> share this with people but yeah thanks and for having me on thank you and you'll be back because we're going to do some mastermind mentor sessions in a month and uh, <laughs> you didn't know that but you're going to join us for them so thank you hey can you tell everybody what i did for you today Oh, so my husband is amazing. It's really for you, but it's for me. Really? Okay. Jonathan grew a beard during COVID. It wasn't just any beard. It wasn't just any beard. It was like the biggest beard you've ever seen. And it was huge. And he, he hasn't shaved in about six months. Anyway, he shaved it off for me. Oh. <laughs> so he looks much more handsome now. But oh. I said to him, how long do you want to go without kissing me? And he was like, weighing it up. Mate, he shaved it off. <laughs> yes. Anyway, he looks much more handsome now. I have to post a before and after shot on Instagram. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, I hope and pray that conversation was a blessing to you. If you'd like to have a look at some of the work that Jonathan Doyle does with Catholic teachers, 
please head on over to www.onecatholicteacher.com or Jonathan's website, which is www.jonathandoyle.co. If you find that it was helpful and you'd like to go deeper, please head on over to the Genius website, www.geniusproject.co. We have a number of online courses designed to help and support women move forward in their lives. One of these courses includes goal setting and overcoming negative mindsets. We are also about to launch our Mastermind Mentor Strategy Sessions. These are so exciting. You can book into any one of these on the website. In these, we will be covering a wide range of topics. They're kind of like a mental life coaching session with a small handful of people and an experienced mentor like Jonathan. The other thing I'm so excited about is our Virtual Catholic Women's Summit. This is going to be held in early December and you are seriously not going to want to miss it. There are many conferences online, but this is a virtual event with a difference. It is an experience. More than just watching online videos, you will have the opportunity to interact with some high-level mentors and other delegates. If you're interested, please register on the website as soon as possible as there are limited seats available and we would hate for you to miss out. Well, that's it from me. I hope you coped with my voice. I've had a bit of a cold this week, but hopefully we'll be back to normal next week. Until then, have a beautiful week and God bless you.